Hey guys, welcome back to the Physique Collective podcast. You are listening to the voice of Joe Jeffrey. If you didn't know who this was, because I know that we cycle podcast hosts each week. We have a very, very special guest today. Somebody that I love dearly, one of my best friends in the whole world. And this isn't a joke, guys. I'm, I'm being serious here. This is somebody that uh, I value seriously, seriously highly. Um, and I know you guys will too. What we're going to do, th- this is going to be the first episode of a series of episodes that our guest has very kindly offered to do for us. Um, and it's been inspired by a podcast episode that he did with my wife, Jasmine Jeffrey. I really enjoyed listening to it and I thought it was a completely new spin on podcasts and I dropped I keep trying to not say his name because I'm going to break the intro. Uh, I dropped the individual in question a message the other day, literally just to say, I love you and I miss you, man, thinking about you. Uh, Also, I think you should really podcast more because you're a fantastic host. And we got chatting about this and um, running an episode similar, and I think it fits into the Physique Collective model quite well because – we're not just another group of people putting out educational content. One of the main reasons for me starting for Z Collective was I wanted to build a community of supportive and friendly individuals where we're all on the same level. And I think this series of episodes is going to help really solidify that because what we're, we're essentially going to do is, is this is going to be more of like a and meet the Physique Collective, which is a little bit cheesy, a bit cliche. But I have no idea what we're going to talk about. The guest in question is going to host this podcast, and I'm just going to uh, answer any questions that you've got. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to everybody the legendary Joppo. And that is his real name. That is on his birthday. <laughs> and I refuse to uh, accept any other information. So my bro, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, Physique Collective listeners. My name is, uh, as, as Joe said right there, it is on my, my birth certificate as of uh, since the day I met him. It, it is now Joppo. Um, I am a client and a friend of Joe's, and I've done a bit of podcasting originally. I've, I've actually had two podcasts in the in the time that I've started podcasting, podcasting and I've got another podcast um, the trailer has just been released on that on Spotify, uh, coming up with Big Daddy Kirkham. Um, and I am a, I'm an in-person personal trainer, which is very uncommon these days, I think. But uh, I'm still uh, still still standing with the flag for that one. And uh, yeah, I'm literally just I said to Joe the other day after he sent me a, a beautiful heartfelt message because he's a big softy, uh, regardless of what anyone says. And uh, it, it's come to this point where we're we're sitting on Zoom and we're gonna we're gonna do a, a meet the physique collective episode catalog uh, for this podcast. So I'm looking forward to it, bro. Mate, do you know what I just thought about? So the show that I went to at the weekend, the first show of the year in the UK calendar, the Kingdom Classic. Um, the the first time that you applied for coaching and we got talking was yeah. I, I remember I was sat on my Mac in the car park of the Kingdom Classic two years ago. Wow. But yeah, my, because I remember... It was lockdown. I remember... Was it was that 2021, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was when they were doing the shows outdoors and Tom Evans was competing there. Right. 
And I remember getting the message on the Sunday and, and this was after I'd inquired about coaching it. And you're like, Hey man, all your information's come through and I'll probably find it in my, in my Instagram story archive if I was to look now. Uh, and I remember getting the message and thinking, bloody hell, this is like a lot of information. And I think the next day we actually had a, a Zoom consult just to, to go through everything and any questions I had that you were saying, you know, pitch them to me and let me answer them. And I remember getting the the message through and the Google Sheets information through. And I instantly went to like M&S Garage because it was a Sunday. It was beyond four o'clock as well. <laughs> And I was like, right, if I want to be 100% with this, which I was very keen to do and still am with um, everything in regards to nutrition and training, uh, I like went to an M&S garage, spent an arm and a leg on like four eggs and some sourdough and some spinach. And I believe two kiwis were in my plan at the time as well. And I was like, wow, here's 25 quid on just one meal, but it's going to be worth it because I need to be 100% as of tomorrow. Uh, and obviously, mate, that that's brought us to, to this point. And that was April or March 2021, I started um, being coached by you. Yeah, so that Sunday, that that would have been at the at the show. So it's um, crazy. Yeah. And for the listeners listening, we I inquired uh, about coaching from Joe, not because what I imagine most people uh, their gateway to being coached by Joe is is probably say something like OPD or coming now across Physique Collective on Instagram. Um, <laughs> mine was more of a uh, a hearing him in a, in a less informal manner uh, on another podcast. And I was like, you know what? This this guy seems like a great guy. And when things seem to be a bit skewed, he has a good way of kind of getting his client back on track. And and, and yeah, and that's again brought us to this point. So, bro, it's uh, it's been an, an interesting journey of friendship and coaching and all that jazz since 2021. Interesting is one word for it, mate. um i'm gonna i'm gonna quickly transition um into my first question because and i asked this same question to jazz on her podcast and i believe i actually kicked off that episode with this question um obviously being in sort of the the bodybuilding sector of fitness i'd say that mostly everyone who potentially trains with with a hypertrophic response uh, and very much lives that bodybuilding lifestyle trained specifically for aesthetic purposes. Um, Was that your original goal when you first stepped in the gym? And how old were you at that time when you you did first step in the gym and start pursuing this pretty damn seriously? Yeah, so like from the very first time that I stepped foot in the gym, my goal of that act was purely for body composition purposes. And to this day, I've never had any sports specific interests i've never had any strength interest or anything like that uh i've only been interested in body composition so the original goal was just to lose fat because i felt like i had a bit of a, a belly i was skinny fat right um yeah how how much would you have weighed at the time that you considered yourself skinny fat maybe around i think i remember weighing myself at 14 stone whatever that would be in uh it's probably pushing like close to 200 pounds yeah so i yeah so that that was it and i was 16 turning 17 and this was at the school gym and i went with my friend mitchell shout out mitchell white who i trained boxing with um okay and he he was the guy that went to the gym and he knew what to do so i'd ask him 
what should I do on this day? What are these machines and things like that? And he, he kind of gave me a an introduction into resistance training. Um, do you want me to follow on with more context from there? Yeah, I was going to say, when you first started, would you were you following a, a typical kind of newbie gym starter pack of, you know, chest on a Monday, uh, legs probably on a Wednesday because it's not close to the weekend where you're going out and you're not showing off your quads and stuff, and, and like arms on a Friday because you might be going out on a Friday. Were you typically doing that sort of um, divided up body part split at the time? Yeah, so, I mean, for context, this was 13, nearly 14 years ago, and... It was um, the bro split wasn't the bro split then. Evidence-based right. fitness wasn't a thing. Instagram wasn't a thing. Um, there was the odd forum like bodybuilding.com and Intense Muscle that I've spoken about a lot, but I sort of came to that a bit later. So like the bro split was just like the way that you trained. And, and I now know that there were routines with a high frequency. DC was around at the time. I mean, there were guys in the 70s training full body and upper lower and stuff. Like, it's not to say that never happened, but, you know, that that's just kind of what you did at that time. You mentioned was on a specific plan. So my, my personality type has always been the same. So um, I joined the gym. And well, not joining the gym. I was using the gym for free at the school that I went to, which was actually quite good. It was quite well equipped. Had some cyber, yeah. which I now know is is good. And had dumbbells, well, well, twenty five kilos. It, it's funny you say that because when I was in Thailand last, no, yeah, it was in Thailand. It was when I was in the, the Bangkok part of Thailand as well, and um, we were in like a pretty a pretty decent hotel. And I remember messaging you uh, summer of last year, and I walked into the hotel gym expecting, you know maybe some like dumbbells up to 12, 15 kilos, a few like machines, like one cable stack. And I walked in and I messaged you and I sent you a picture and I was like, bro, everything is like Cybex Bravo. (laughs) And I was like, what is this? When we went to Thailand in our hotel, it just said sort of gym, but there wasn't any photos of it. And it was, there was like three cable stacks, two squat racks, full pre-core range. And every single day, me and Jazz were the only people in there. It was bizarre. Yeah. Mad. It, it wasn't, um, I don't know if you found the same thing. I, I know I did. When out in Thailand, there wasn't a very big fitness culture. Uh, like for myself, for anyone listening who, who doesn't follow me, I'm, I am natural. So I weigh about 160 pounds. And uh, I was walking with my shirt off um, just through like the streets of Thailand, which I don't know if is an, an acceptable thing or not, because I was getting some funny looks. But I remember this bus of kids or, or teens drove past me and it was like <laughs> <laughs> um and i was like man, I'm not ready, man. That, that would happen <laughs> that would happen in england Joppo. come on <laughs> and i was like man maybe there's just not this this big gym culture out here because i'm walking around and, and people are treating me you know like i'm 200 pounds 250 pounds shredded as uh shredded as anything so um it was pretty interesting seeing. And going back to the the school thing, I remember, and I don't know if you've told this story on um, the Physique Collective podcast or even OPD, but you were doing a, a pretty interesting uh, meal setup. Uh, was it multiple eggs, a gallon oh, of so milk? This, or... this came later, so let me um, okay, let me provide context to this. this. Is a funny. Like I hope some people will get a laugh out of this. So, um, <laughs> so basically, well, you asked me as a did I have a plan? when I joined the gym. So yeah, I've, I've always had like 
it, the, the blessing and the curse my personality has always been if I if I do something it very quickly becomes obsessive that well, I'm obsessed with productivity and efficiency and I always have been so that very day I went home and bear in mind, I've been to the gym once and on my life on my wife's life this is a true story been to the gym once I went home and I hopped on YouTube and I just searched fastest way to lose fat and then right I got on a YouTube hole and this this is this memory is so stuck in my mind I was going through going through YouTube for a while and, I, and as you can expect I stumbled on some bodybuilding videos and I'd never seen bodybuilding before uh actually it was a video of Ronnie Coleman training in Metroflex, which I've now trained at, um, yeah. which was insane. And immediately when I saw it, I remember having this feeling, you know, that feeling like in the middle of your gut? I was like, what? It was like amazing to me. And I, I, I'd seen Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff, but you know, I've never seen someone like Ronnie Coleman. I've never been exposed to it before. I thought, this is the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. People can look like this. And this almost is where a problem for me would have arose because I was looking at these guys. I didn't have understanding of drugs or genetics, most importantly. And I made a decision then. I was like, I want to look like that, which is a bizarre jump going to the gym and coming home. But I I just fell in love with it instantly. And I decided, right, I need to know absolutely everything there is to know about this. And what I actually, down this YouTube hole, I ended up, finding animal pack videos i don't know if you know animal or remember animal as a company they're still around uh n- namely some videos of frank mcgrath and right his physique to me i saw that and i thought it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen i thought that's that's what a man looks like you know this is what, <laughs> this is what a, a man looks like and i need to look like this so then i got google and i googled frank mcgrath gym routine and I found it on the Animal Pack website. I joined the Animal Pack forum. I remember my username was Joe J. Everybody, everybody else's was like Iron Lifter eighty six. I thought oh, I'll <laughs> to solve this a bit. Um, I printed out his routine with each day on a separate piece of A four paper, and I went into the gym and did this routine from my second day in the gym. So that was my first routine. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Were you? Were you instantly from there going down uh, in, in regards to the food? Were you instantly then going down the route of, right, I need to be eating this for this meal, this for this meal, this for this meal? Because I know you said like your personality is very zero to 100 in terms of productivity with a new interest. Yeah. So immediately I was on nutrition. You know, I was on this. Right. Okay. What's my goal? Lose fat. But it was, a, you know, I was young. I couldn't interpret information very well at this point. Took me took me a long time to learn how to learn mostly, but my idea of a proper nutrition plan for me at this time was to I, I spent as much of the day eating nothing as possible until I got to yeah. I can bear it, and then if I was uh, at my mum's, I so I would bring myself some chicken breast or something to school, and I'll just have chicken breast, and, and I got free school meals. So what I would do, we had a salad bar at school. I would go to the salad bar. And I would just get salad, you know, vegetables. And I would add my chicken breast to it because the only thing they had in the salad bar was whole eggs, like hard-boiled eggs. So I'd yeah, add, yeah, yeah. Add my chicken breast to my free school meal salad and I would eat that. And then I'd, I'd do the same again in the evening. 
I would have like a chicken and salad. So I actually went all the way down. I remember this because I joined another gym during the time running this, the Mount's Leisure Centre in Northampton. And they weighed me in on my induction and I weighed 125 pounds, right? So really, I'd lost what, so whatever the difference, 14 stone to this, I'd, I'd come all the way to 125 just from like basically starving. But I thought this was the thing. And you know, the most amazing thing was it, well, because I didn't really understand that dieting was meant to be like suffering or that this was hard and, and I wasn't necessarily tracking my steps or anything like that. Like there was no discomfort involved in this. So it was just like, this is what, what bodybuilders eat and this is how you get shredded and i don't think that i actually thought about it enough for it to be uncomfortable you know yeah and i think there's some merit to that and i say that from my own personal experience as well when i when again when i was think i was uh, 16 or 17 and i started mine was a little bit different i went on a, on a men's health website or bodybuilding.com and it was hugh jackman's wolverine diet and i was like great so I've gone from the typical teenager of probably smashing like, I mean, in sixth form, I was eating a jar of peanut butter a day um, and a loaf of bread and then also just supplementing with like whey protein. And um, I saw his diet and I was like, right, I'm going to eat what he eats. I'm going to eat eggs for breakfast, whatever it may be. Um, and again, a similar thing happened. I didn't have this emotional attachment to, oh, I'm in a deficit now. Like things are going to start to suck. Um, and it's, Again, similar thing, probably over the course of six to eight weeks, I got absolutely diced out of my mind in sixth form, walking around with abs, which I'd never have had before. Um, And I think what you said there is is something that people can potentially take from that is, you know, if you completely detach yourself emotionally from the idea of I'm getting leaner now, my training might go down, I've got to go for that walk and I haven't got a lot of energy. If you just accept the idea of, ah, you know, this is my new nutrition plan for the next 8, 12, 16 weeks, the process becomes a lot easier because in that time, and I worked out the quick maths in my head while you were talking, you went from 186 pounds all the way down to 125. So 61 pound drop, bro. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's frustrating looking back because I, I wasted a lot of good time that I could have been having some good newbie gains and things like this. And yeah, I actually was like log booking from day one in the gym. So it was something that the routine said to do. So I was, I was progressive, but it would mostly just be through skill acquisition. I imagine at this point, I did get stronger. I I, I highly doubt I built any skeletal muscle. <laughs> and the, the biggest joke of this is I got down to 125 and I wasn't even lean, man, just because I had such little musculature. I just looked kind of worn. Um, and it's at this point, you know, and your mum's going, you don't look well, you know. Yeah, it's a classic thing of like, are you sure you're eating enough? <laughs> so I started a log on Animal Pack. I remember I called it Joe's Log and trying out my stats and stuff. And, and these guys, real like old school uh, bodybuilding guys, which was great. You know, I, I loved that. You know, this was something, another thing that I just fell in love with bodybuilding, like, I didn't have anything that felt very like masculine, but I felt quite attracted towards masculine things. And I was like, okay, this feels like I'm doing like man stuff and talking to men about man stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> really exciting for me that they all said, bro, you need to eat. And there was an article on Animal Pack. So this leads me on to your question about the funny diet. Um, by now, by, by now, I'm in the first year of sixth form, right? Okay, so you're what, 16, 17 at this uh, point then? 17 at this point, yeah. So I've, yeah. I've joined the gym towards the end of year 11, 16. Okay. 
then here I am, 125 pounds, 17, which is 12 years ago. Um, these guys telling me I need to eat, blah, blah, blah. And there, there was an article posted on Animal Pack called The Farmer's Diet, right? Right. <laughs> I'm sure you can probably Google this and find it. Now, I'm trying to work out a way to feed myself here as a bodybuilder because the older amongst you listening, I hate to say older, but I'm not sure if it's still a thing, EMA, Education Maintenance Allowance. So I no longer had free school meals. It was replaced with EMA. And I used to get £30 a week. And that's supposed to cover cover like your travel to get to and from school and things like that. Um, but I had to buy my own food, right? So I worked out that this was about £4 a day that I could spend on food. And that's like all day eating, right? So like I've got to feed myself on this one. Like, okay, cool. Uh, this diet is perfect because what it was every day, and I used to go to Aldi, the other side of St. James Bridge in Semilong, if, if anybody listening knows this, and I will buy one loaf of bread. I'll do this every day on my way home from school. One loaf of bread. It was a six-point whole milk, which I, which I believe, I don't even remember this, is 3.4 litres. Um, <laughs> and a tray of 12 eggs. And I could get yep. three for less than four pounds. Like, back then, what a loaf of bread was like a pound. You know, I would get the cheapest, you know, like just a... Audi home brand white sliced bread. Oh, what, absolutely, bro. I, I do that to this day Yeah, if I, I'm eating bread. I mean, I do like a nice sourdough, I'll admit. Um, <laughs> but, so I used to buy them. I would come home. I would microwave the 12 whole eggs, and I would make up those into sandwiches using the loaf of bread, and then I would split that into four meals. I'd have one yeah. in the morning, then I'd go to school, and I'd have one on break, one when I get home from school and one before bed, the same meal. And the milk, I would just sip through the day. And I'd be like, this is my fluid for the day. So, you know, at school, I'm walking around holding 3.4 litres of whole milk. <laughs> this was the commitment. Um, but I did that for a while. The, the caloric amount was not suitable. And I got pretty fat pretty quickly. <laughs> Mate, I, I've actually just gone on bodybuilding.com in the time that you were talking. And a unless your name was Keiston with a double N, uh, he's a registered user of bodybuilding.com. Um, he says, what do you guys think about it? Uh, and this was from 2013. He put one gal of 1% milk, one loaf of white bread and 12 large eggs. So, there we go. There we go. Yeah. So you were spot on with your measurements, bro. Yeah, the timing aligns. So, yeah, the farmer's diet was a thing. Um, I'm sure it's got to be close to like 5,000 calories or something, right? But, you know, I'm 125 pounds dieting on like 600 calories a day. And then I go to this. Funny thing is, again, you know, you imagine the, the digestive discomfort you might think you'd have from drinking six pints of whole milk and 12 eggs. Bear in mind, mate, I have no fruit and no vegetables any day. Because, Great. again, personality type was like, this is the diet I'm doing. And I did it every yeah. single day. And that was it. That was what's going to happen. You know, so um, but I felt felt fine. <laughs> no, no GI discomfort, no nothing. I just got goddamn fat. <laughs> <laughs> how much did you, um? do you know how much you ballooned up to when you did gain all that weight? Back? Uh, I, I can remember, again, if we fast forward even further, 
when I, I wasn't training at the mouse anymore and I was training at Better Bodies, which is a bodybuilding gym. It's where Brad Weimark's been training now. He lives down yeah. There. Do you know what? When you said that name, I recognize name. And yeah, it's where BW trains, isn't it? Yeah. So I joined that gym. I was only at Mounts for maybe six months and I went to join Better Bodies because I, I, I got the word on the street was that this was the bodybuilding gym. I thought, well, I need to be around, uh, need to be around bodybuilders, right? So, um, I remember weighing myself in there with my friend Jake and I was 15 stone. So I breached my previous weight, but I was, because we actually did a race to 15 stone. Right. Um, and, and I was riding the farmer's diet to get me there. Again, misinterpretation I, I from this hardcore bodybuilding forum that, you know, eat big to get big. And, you know, I was just eating yeah. kind of as much as I could afford. And, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't looking good. Uh, and, again, I, I doubt I really gained an appreciable amount of muscle in that time. So I just ripped off a load of body fat and then gained. I, I went through a period of collateral fattening. Um, <laughs> Literally, so not not productive. You know, we're now probably coming on two years of bodybuilding, and I haven't actually done anything productive yet. Which is, it's you go back to the newbie gains thing that that you initially talked about. How how close to that point that we're at now, where you 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 know you've gone through that losing all the weight, then gaining it back, getting up to fifteen stone. How soon after that did you then look into like the PED route, and, and was that? through your exposure to forums that tempted you or was it conversations in the gym? Yeah, so I think that the the initial thing was that I was trained out of two training partners, Ryan Clark and Jake Bradley. Um, Jake went on to compete actually at the Mr. Apollo show a few years later. I don't think either of them were in bodybuilding anymore, but they took it very seriously right. at the time. We all did. We, we all wanted to compete. We all wanted to be super heavyweight bodybuilders and I pretty quickly sussed out that either they were both incredibly gifted or the opposite, <laughs> you know, um, because they were, they were yeah. really nicely. They were progressively overloading in the gym really nicely. And I wasn't, I'm not, not even close to the rate that they were. And it drove me insane. And, but I'm so glad now that this happened, you know, when I have at the time, it was like something that, actually would make me depressed as a young man. Yeah. Some of the, I was watching videos of super heavyweight bodybuilders and, you know, it, it hurt that I, I was thinking, I, I, I can't look like that. You know, but this is actually the only thing that I want. I've actually, for the first time, found something that I'm really passionate about, that I love, and, and I can't be there. Like, is that the reality? But so what this did lead me to do, because of that personality type we've mentioned a few times, is like, okay, well, let me let me learn everyone. If I can master nutrition, if I can master training, if I can master drugs, then maybe I've got a chance to at least get somewhere. And this is where my kind of learning journey fell in with bodybuilding. And I didn't know at the time, but I've got quite a proclivity for learning. I learn quite well. I, I retain information quite well. I don't want to sound arrogant here, but um, I am... Um, yeah, I, I didn't know because at school I wasn't interested in anything, so I didn't apply this. But then the obsession that I built on bodybuilding led me to actually, when I wanted to start coaching, I had such a great foundation of knowledge that and the ability to learn to then move that into that area. And now I'm so glad I did because coaching to me, I was thinking about this this morning, actually. I was thinking about, you know, my own progress versus now show season started. Like, 
the feelings I have peaking my clients, the feeling I have seeing my clients in the morning of the show, the feeling I have watching the show. I've never felt anything like that in my life, you know? Yeah. And I don't think that I, I ever could. So I'm really glad that that happened, but I am still a little bit bitter that I'll never look like them. <laughs> Do you, and the one thing I've picked up in just this conversation today, Brian, I don't think it's something I've ever picked up on you saying before. And it's going back to the thing of, um, bodybuilding making you feel like a little bit more manly and, and it seemed like a manly thing to do. And I hope you don't mind me asking this. Is that something that played on your mind? So we're, we're t- kind of taking a step back now. Played on your mind prior to that? Like, like a, a I guess, an inferiority complex? Like, oh, I don't feel as manly as I potentially want to feel. And do you think that's why your passion for bodybuilding kind of took off the way it did? Um. I, I don't remember ever having feelings of like inadequacy or a lack of masculinity as a young man or as a kid. I don't remember yeah. that, but I remember distinctly whether by genetics or environment or some otherwise having a real attraction to what your stereotypical masculine activities would be, you know, like right. I was really into martial arts as a kid. I love that, you know, um, I, I I like the idea of being dominant and muscular. Yeah, you know that. That's I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, so I I don't know where it came from. Um, but also bodybuilding opened my eyes to a level of um, maybe weakness that I did feel but didn't realize yeah. at the time. You know. When you kind of start to peel back the layers on these things and you break yourself down with the training, with the adherence to the nutrition, especially at that age, you know, people going out drinking, doing whatever, you know, whereas I'm like, no, I need to get to bed at 10. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, I think that made me realize actually that I needed a vehicle to exhaust something. That's what I quickly realized. I fell in love with training mainly because the way – I could, it felt like the first time in my life I could go, ah, after training. Yeah. And I think that heavily, heavily relates to you being, like you said, like extremely productive. So having this activity in your day where you can go, I'm going to put my everything into hitting all my meals, hitting this hard ass training session. And at the end of the day, and then especially at this point now with, with having the client, how you do hitting this point at the end of the day going, Ah, today was productive and then you can just rest go again tomorrow yeah see, i know i know these things about myself now and i've definitely never spoke about any of this in the podcast but like it was pouring all of my efforts into something and doing a really difficult hard physical activity that demanded the best of my efforts every day that made me realize that the feelings that i had as a young man were really high anxiety all the time or like right. this manic mind, this obsession that this needs to be done, this needs to be done, like a complete lack of satisfaction over what I had done. You know, that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. You need to do more on these. Like I always had that, again, by genetics or environment or otherwise. Doing this thing that actually took everything was the first time I ever felt like I could turn off the noise in my mind. Yeah. And now I know that I can harness that. You know, like I can't relax until I personally feel like I've done enough work in a day. 
I can't relax until I personally feel like I've trained in exactly the way that I should and done exactly what I should. That I can't relax until I've got my meals in the way. And and that's not necessarily an unhealthy obsession because if it wasn't bodybuilding, it would have to be something else because I was always like this, you know. Yeah, and and go and literally on that point, um, and this is something for the listeners to perhaps take from i am um, and this is a credit to you bro and and how introspective i think you can be um when i got back from america at the end of last year um i hadn't trained in a long time because I, I had like covid for two weeks and um then i went to america and couldn't train because there was no gyms nearby and i got back from america and i felt a bit down and i remember in a, in a check-in joe sent me and it was the first one where i was back from america you were still in texas at the time and you said to me, you were like, bro, I think the best idea here, because I was just holding maintenance at the time. You said, I think the best idea here for you is to roll into a cut, chase this phase specific goal, because you can exhaust all your energy to focus on this one specific task. And then that will allow you to potentially have no room in your day for these anxious thoughts. So if you can pour all your energy into one phase specific task, hit that every day and as cliche as it sounds tick all the boxes it and it did it allowed me to focus on this one thing each and every day like direct tunnel vision into that one thing get to the end of the day go to sleep and do it all again tomorrow and i think that heavily relates to what you just said there and i think at the time why that was such good advice is potentially you have this retrospective look on your own experience and having these certain things that you can just pour everything into um and i know it worked for me and and again like i said if the listeners can take anything from that is when you are in this bodybuilding realm exhausting all your efforts into one specific task whether it be gaining or whether it be in a dieting phase it does allow less room in your day to overthink things um and i think yeah it heavily relates to what you just said there most definitely man i mean that's I, I, I fear what would have happened if I didn't find something like as challenging as bodybuilding. And another reason why a big part of me likes that I'm so shit at this is that, you know. Sorry. By the way, I'm actually staring at a picture of Joe right now. Um, he said he's only about 170 pounds because he, he's not on the video. I'm showing my gracious face, but I'm looking at a, a very shredded still of Joe. Dude is absolutely looking ripped and jacked, and he's gonna t- he's gonna tell me it's good lighting and uh, a good angle. But um, bro, you've made fantastic progress, and I'll specifically point out if anyone wants to find it on your profile on Instagram. Uh, it's a picture Jake took, and you're wearing a t-shirt, and it was probably the beginning of this year. Bro, you look yoked. Um, <laughs> in the in the past year, you've made some insane progress. So uh, Thanks, yeah, Thanks, man. No, I do. I, I, I... I'm not like a complete non-gainer. Like I do progress, but you know, most definitely not. I, 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 I would probably, um, maybe very positively say I'm average, likely slightly below average, but that's okay. Like as long as I can do the thing, I'm, I'm kind of at peace now, and I can live vicariously through my clients. That's yeah, that's fine. Do you in in the time that you have? been bodybuilding bro and even coaching uh, as well again i asked a, a similar question to jazz um because i i actually read a book and, and get gifted her a book about this have you ever felt like immediate burnout in regards to your own bodybuilding journey or coaching itself in terms of doing too much um mentally overwhelmed anything like that uh, i can honestly say i haven't 
um, I've only experienced the opposite, which is, yeah, which I feel like is almost as much as a problem. It's more, it's like the need to do more is something that I experienced. Um, and you do you think that's related to again what you were saying when you were younger? Uh, it's that feeling of feeling like you haven't done enough. Yeah, I, I I really really struggled with this. Like the other day, I had a consult cancellation, like literally five minutes before the consult. This was an hour of time, <clears throat> and it was like an, yeah. hour, an hour work block, and like it just led into the time that I have my meal too or whatever. I was going to sit on the sofa, and I I'm pathetic, man. I literally couldn't hack it. I thought I need. Yeah. Like my, I thought oh, I'll just put TV on, like you know, I'll relax. You know, relaxing's good and. I started to qualify to myself, like, I need to relax because that's good for recovery and that will help my bodybuilding. I've got to train later. So you know, if I relax now, that's an input that's actually productive. So it would be productive. You know, these are the conversations I have with myself, which sounds fucking crazy. You know, this is productive for bodybuilding. So I'm sitting But I couldn't, man. Like, it's like guilt and anxiety and panic. I'm like, no, I need to do something. So I went back on the Mac and just made work to do, you know. So yeah. no, I've, I've never felt better. And, and also on, on the other sense, like, when I say I love bodybuilding, I mean I love bodybuilding. Like I've never like I've never loved anything and I will never love anything. Like I love bodybuilding. I don't I can't get enough of this, which is so cliche. But it's true. I, I yeah. there's no amount of exposure to this thing that I think will cause me burnout. Maybe I'll change my mind in the future after multiple decades of doing this. But it doesn't get tiresome for me. Which which is Again, and I think that's what makes you the coach you are, because I think in order to do something, and, and I was having this conversation with a client the other day, uh, and she said something along the lines of, oh, you know, you know, it's it's easy for you or, or something along those lines. And she, she mentioned how it was quite difficult because um, she found dieting hard and things like that. And she said, how do you do it? And my response was, I love the process of training. Uh, training is an, an, an effort to me. Um, it's part of my daily habitual routine, uh, tracking my food, consuming my meals that you set for me. Again, it's part of my routine. And I think if you love something enough, then like you said, it doesn't become tiresome because you don't see it as uh, an external pressure that you've got to deal with. Mm -hmm. It's just part of your day that you just crack on with and get done. Like for you, a check-in is part of your day now. It's not going like, ah, I've got 12 check-ins today, I've got five check-ins today, I've got six check-ins today. It's I'm just cracking on with my day. I know what's in my day. I know when I'm having my food. I know. I know for you, you're a very routine person. Um, I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. But I think again, it's all down to the fact that you love what you do and, and you love the sport that you work within that allows you to perform at a high level because you're never seeing those things as these pressured tasks that you don't really want to do, and they're just like a, a way of making a living. If that makes sense. Absolutely, man. And that's important for coaches to understand. I mean, I've, I'm in a very lucky and privileged position that I do only coach competitors. Like, I only coach people that also love bodybuilding. So I don't come up against any, you know, uh, adherence issues and things like that. But if, you, if you're if you coaching Jen Pop and someone's really struggling to lose weight and you I think, well, it's easy to just eat less and move more. I mean, come on, have some willpower. It's like... Uh, you know, not everyone actually wants to do this and they might have completely different hunger signaling to you. You know, their homeostatic ghrelin might have them absolutely starving all day and environmentally they're they're so um, subject 
to food behaviors, eating behaviors from their childhood or otherwise that would encourage them to eat more hyperpalatable foods and they're less educated than you. Um, it's important to have that understanding as a coach. Yeah, and I think it and this is a conversation we I think we had in person um last week. Uh, and it goes back to that thing, a thing about clients and things like that is for us, this is say something we do. Um again, I I I don't compete um yet. I'm gonna say yet, because again, you never know. Um but for for us, it's again something we do. But like you said, for the general pop, someone who train simply for maybe health specific reasons they're not looking at training as part of their day they're potentially looking at training as ah, i've got to go to the gym later because i know it's going to make me healthy but i'm not really a big fan of exercise but i'm going to do it anyway because i know it's good for me um and sometimes you've got to have that empathetic uh, empathetic response to that client or that individual um because again i, I work with mainly gen pop um individuals and it's a conversation that I have a lot is you know I didn't really fancy coming to the gym today um so again having that love for bodybuilding um really is gonna again guess propel your progress because if you're doing something that you're not absolutely in love with um then it does become more of a task um and that actually brings me to, to my next question um so you've never competed um but in the last few months, you, you, you've mentioned on the, the Physique Collective Forum, um, which cheap plug, people can sign up for for $9.99 a month, which is less than the price of two Starbucks coffees. So it's an absolute steal. Um, I'm not paid to say that, by the way. Um, but uh, you mentioned on the Physique Collective Forum and on your Instagram that you are potentially looking at competing in the next year or two. Um, so what was... I guess the, is it the straw that broke the camel's back is the term, unless I've absolutely butchered that. Um, what was the thing that... I I understand the application there. Um, (laughs) So the the goal from day one, you know, I fell in love with competitive bodybuilding as soon as I joined the gym. I've always wanted to compete, but I'm also pretty realistic. I don't want to... I don't need to win. I don't need to place top five, but I don't want to look out of place. You know, and I wanted... I originally wanted to wait until I was kind of at a standard where I could do, you know, stand on stage at a regional level show and, and not look out of place. And I actually did prep for a bodybuilding show. I prepped for a PCA first time to show. Um, and was was like, this in 2020? Yeah, well, this is it. I was like three weeks out. I was I was on point. I was ready to rock and roll. And then lockdown hit. Um, and that obviously screwed that up. Um, mm. And over lockdown, what kind of happened was, my so I was full with clients anyway. I had 60 clients at the time. Um maybe 20% of them were competitors. By the time we get to we got to the end of all of those lockdowns, which was like the kind of time that we started speaking, um, my client base was now yeah, maybe 80% competitors. So now I was actually going to all of these shows. Um so I didn't compete in the next show season because I was coaching competitors. Many competitors, and this was like for the first time, I'd never had to do the travel to every show kind of thing and peak people in person thing and get the Airbnb and travel here and there. And, you know, and, and that since turned into shows around Europe and international shows and things like that. So, you know, I never really got the chance when I was pouring all of my efforts into coaching. And maybe in the last year, coaching got to the point where, where obviously now I'm at 100% competitors. I still have to go to every show. I still have to go to all these international shows. Um but I feel like with the client base I've got now, I could probably manage to prep 
Whether it would be yeah. optimal or not, I don't know. This is kind of a decision that I spoke with Dean McKillop about at the beginning of this year when we were outside of show season. And I, and I said, you know, I've got this goal and I need to get it done really. You know, how how hilarious is it that I'm coaching competitors and I've never even done the thing? It's almost a bit embarrassing, although all my clients do well and they're happy with the service, thankfully. Um, uh, so, I mean, I've probably been to more shows than most competitors have even thought about. Um and I said, this this could be an idea this year. I may be questioning my decisions now rationally that I've got through my first spat of shows of the year. I mean, we've only had one UK show, but I've also had Ohio, I've had Arnold's, you know. Um, almost a, a relearning experience. I feel like I willfully forgot how difficult it is, how stressful it is, how little sleep you get, how much travel is involved. Yeah. You're not just managing yourself at this point. You know, I'm also managing all the food for my clients. I'm staying with them. I'm looking at them every hour, every two. I'm getting up at five in the morning to get them to tan. I'm checking on them every one, two hours. You go in here, there, everywhere for your clients, everything they need. And if you're coaching bodybuilders and bikini athletes at these shows, you're going to be at the show six in the morning or something like that for your bodybuilders, getting their tan on, getting them sorted, getting them registered the day before, getting them weighed in the day before so you can't even be at home. And then your bikini client might not be on till 5, 6 p.m., there all day and then you might not be getting home until one in the morning or something like this and you've got check-ins the next morning to get in because they're yeah. probably doing the show the next week and they're still on daily check-ins and you're checking with that client at 5 30 in the morning because that's when people on prep are up so you know in ohio i remember looking at my aura data and i averaged three hours of sleep at night the whole time i was there so that's think, bad, man, imagine if i was in the depths of prep here it would be impossible so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll along and see what happens the thing is, I've got I've got a, a full client list of competitors, but also now basically a full client list of competitors that are on the pro qualifier or pro circuit. There's so many international shows this year. It's unbelievable. I was looking at booking flights earlier where I have to go and fly up to the New York Pro and then I'm, I'm there for a week and then I have to fly from there to LA and then I'm there for a week for the WBFF Worlds. And it's like, man, I'm going to be away from home like two, three weeks there, and there's a show after that. And like, it's, it's like, how the hell am I going to do all that and prep and look after my clients and things like that? But the, what must remain is my coaching service. That yeah, you know that that is not a question. That's what must remain, no matter what. And if that's ever in question, my goal will be put to the side because it's not worth as much as these guys' goals. Yeah. I, and going back to the sleep thing, I, I remember specifically, um, I was watching Corey's Ohio vlog a couple of weeks ago and uh, I messaged you uh, and I said, bro, you look tired, man. And it's exactly what you said there. You were like, mate, I've had like three hours sleep every night. Um, and it's, I think that's the important thing that, that you've just said there as a coach. It's you're realizing that for you specifically, you're you're more coached than the competitor and therefore your priority is your coaching instead of your, your own competitive values. Um, is there anything then you would say in your current daily setup, again, let's imagine clientele stays exactly the same and things like that. Is there anything in your current daily setup you think you would potentially want to or need to alter that would make competing while coaching at the high level you do? Um, what would you alter in your basically your daily routine to potentially allow for that competitive side alongside the coaching if you were to change anything? If I was going to critique, so my day is very religiously set up around doing the same things every day, exactly the same 
time to exactly the same magnitude. Okay, but at the same time, walk the dog at the same time, do the same amount of steps, eat the same meals at the same time, do the same amount of check-ins over the same amount of work blocks, train at the same time, you know, have a shower at the same time, a sauna at the same time. Everything yeah. is fixed and religious. If I'm going to critique my day, knowing myself, to put myself in an optimal position to build muscle and lose body fat over the long term, it would be from a, and excuse the cliche term here, but it would be from a mindfulness perspective. Um, right. Although, like, my sleep is good because that became a task. Like, right, I need to see these numbers on my aura. You know, that, and, and that's good, and my resting heart rate is good and things like that. It would be actually the ability to mentally relax, maybe, like, practice some non-sleep deep rest daily or something or one of my research like because i still set myself educational blocks every day where i catch up on all the latest hypertrophy literature drug literature whatever i say right i'm going to replace this with maybe just watching an episode of something with jazz or something like that yeah you know that that and, and like admittedly like that's my biggest flaw is like not putting enough time and attention into my wife and something that i really need to to work on and, and do feel guilt for, but it, it was also a means to an end in, in the sense of one of my goals was that I don't want my wife to ever have to work again. I don't want to have yeah. a, a nice house and I want her to have a new car and, you know, let's not ever have any, like complete, we've got complete financial freedom, you know, so yeah, that's not a brag. This was something that, you know, I've had to work for it, but now nothing's, going to change that unless all my clients just suddenly leave me um so now now i do need to transition that over into being a bit of a better husband in general if you were to and again this can be a a, a similar sort of answer to jazz jazz had a um an answer that, that was quite good because she said she actually enjoyed her, her daily setup if you were to talk me through your ideal day um this could be in the the midst of competition so in, in a prep this could be completely off season. This could be from the comfort of your own home because I know how much you love staying with the dogs and you actually find it hard to go away because you have to leave those dogs. If you were to talk me through your ideal daily routine from the moment you woke up, uh, what would that look like? You know what, bro? I'll be completely honest with you. And th- these are my genuine feelings. Every day that I currently live is my ideal day. And I've built that. Yeah. Man, you, you know, I wake up, I'm saying so much cliche stuff in here, but I promise you it's true. I wake up before my alarm, happy and excited for what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and everything I do in the day is something that I love. I don't do anything that I don't like. And I say to Jazz, I literally said to her today, how lucky are we that we've got this? I can't remember what we were talking about, but how lucky are we that we've got this? How lucky are we that we can do this? You know, because like my perfect day would be wake up whenever I wake up, which I do after a solid eight hours sleep, which I get. Immediately yeah. get out and walk Dagger. Spend time with Dagger. Have an hour with Dagger listening to podcasts. Love that. Nothing's better. Early. No one's on the road. It's dark. It's cold. I love that. I get home, do check-ins. Every single one of my clients, I love the bits. You know, I've, over time, I never changed my client cap. No matter how many people apply, I've just structurally changed my clients to be people that would have a perfect working relationship with me. So I've got 12 check-ins to do every day, and I love every single one of them. They're all exciting. Everyone's progressing. If there's an issue that requires some problem solving, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do, you know? And then in there, we've got a couple of meals, and we train. You know, I finish all my check-ins, and then I train. Fantastic. Yeah. And through the day, I get to spend time with Hunter and Lyra when I'm eating my meals. 
I go in the garden, I do my 10-minute post-meal walk every meal, and I kick a ball around, throw toys for them, fantastic. After training, I get a little sauna, get a shower, sit and eat my last meal with Jazz, watch Netflix, go to bed nice and early. I fucking hate leaving the house, like you said. I love it. You know, the reason why I built the gym at home and bought a sauna for a home and, you know, I I like it here. This is our idyllic environment. So, man, being dead honest with you, I hate traveling. Hate being away from home because this to me is ideal. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I know that for a fact. And uh, it was the last time that I was was at yours, uh, and you said to me uh, at one point in the night. Uh, me and Joe always have these introspective conversations uh, when we spend uh, an evening a month together. And uh, you said to me, you were like, "Bro, I love it here, man. I love having you here." And it was. And I know that for a fact, because when you have gone away, you've also said to me, man, I miss the dogs. I miss being at home because Mm. I know as well that you set up your home perfectly as an environment that you just wanted to be in all the time so that you never wanted to crave going away or anything like that. Um, So I'm going to pitch a question in relation to that now. If you were to tell yourself something three years ago, so I know you were still coaching at the time. This was probably before we met because that would have been about 2020 um what would you what advice would you give yourself three years ago in terms of what you've learned in in recent memory the the best advice I think I could give myself would actually be not to do anything different to what I did and and I'll tell you why so I'm not sure exactly how long ago this was but there was a there was a long period of time that I started putting out quote-unquote evidence-based content and I was a nobody right and I, and I didn't have the physique to back it either but a hell of a load of flack for it like you wouldn't believe you wouldn't believe loads and I mean I still do get some but mostly I'm you know, established enough that it's, it's okay um I, I was really struggling to get clients you know, I, I, no one wanted coaching from from me whoever put on stage I, I look like shit you know why I'm signed up to this guy just post studies link study links and stuff but my, my kind of model was just like do post about things and put articles out and do work that you're really passionate about and like doing. And then there was a really fast inflection point in my business. And it was quite literally a space of a month. I went from like five clients to 60. And (laughs) and, uh, I always think about this and it's another cliche, but because we've all seen those graphs of like the person that quit and then the distance they'd have to travel to be successful. It's like, if I'd have quit, a week before that, I'd have considered myself just a failure here, and I'd never yeah. have this now. It really happened so fast. I've never slowed down since then. So, you know, just sticking to your guns and doing what you want to do with passion and with 100% effort, You, it, it might never happen. I don't want to be esoteric, like some kind of holistic Tony Robbins style and say, just keep going till you make it. It might never happen, but it might, it might happen, and it did for me. Yeah. You know, so it would be just don't cave in because people, some of the abuse that me and Jazz got just for me trying to coach people was ridiculous, man. Absolutely crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but it happened in the end just by sticking to it. Yeah. You um you mentioned uh, not so long ago in this conversation, you said about pouring more, relation, um, pouring more effort into your relationship with Jazz uh, and that relationship as a whole. If If you were to tell yourself, three years ago, one thing that you could do better to improve your relationship, what would it be? Because I know you've worked hard in the last year 
to put more effort into that relationship? Uh, so one thing I do and still do and catch myself doing all the time and I'm still working on is because I'm so busy-minded and focused on the goal at hand, it's hard for me to, for example, let's say I'm just popping into the kitchen to get something. I'm doing something. Yeah. I'm halfway through reading a study or I'm just about to do a check-in or something. I'll fly in there, grab what I need, fly back. Now, I'll go in there and give her a hug and say, you okay? That is such a difference. Yeah. You know? And that'll make such a difference for her as well. And I completely know what you mean there. It's that tunnel vision mindset of, right, I'm going to go, say, grab a drink and then get back to work. So in your mind, whether jazz is in there or not, your mind is operating under, I'm going to grab my drink and I'm going to go back to work. But for her, originally, if you were going and getting your drink and going back to work, just saying, hey, the difference between that and you going in, giving her a hug, hey, how are you? Grabbing your drink, going back to work, is going to have such a massive impact on her day. And I'd almost say that could be quite, um, I don't know what the word would be, but it's going to make her feel a lot more loved in just two seconds of um, of emotion. So um, I think that's a, a really good bit of advice, especially if you're someone, like you said, like yourself, where you're very t- tunnel vision minded, very highly productive, taking two, three, ten seconds to say to your partner, hey, how are you? Give them a hug. Then crack on with what you're doing. They're probably going to come out of that situation going, oh, that was nice. Thank you for that. Most and it will and make a massive impact. I've heard this described as, I'm sure you've heard, like, love languages, right? So for me, yeah. <laughs> my quote-unquote love language was like, ever since you met, I said, right, you, you don't have to do anything now. You don't have to lift a finger. I'm going to, um, you know, I'll buy us a house. I'll buy us cars. I'll pay for everything. You know, give us stability, your financial freedom. If you want to compete, compete anywhere. Buy whatever bikini you want, whatever, you know. It's all, you never have to think about anything ever again. You know, this was my way of showing my love. But th- yeah. that's, that's not her way at all. Of her receiving way. love. No, she she needs physical affection. And yeah. Understanding conversation and things like just someone to, again, here's an example. I'm very objective and honest and straight. You know, if there's a problem, so well, what are we going to do about them? Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, Joe, you know, this happened today. Or like, oh, this person's done this. I'll say, okay, well, um, well, here's what we need to do about it. When really what I should do is say, oh, that sucks, man. You know, give me a hug. You know, don't yeah. worry about it. You know, don't don't actually try to address it. Just listen. If is that something that she brought up to you, or was that something that you caught yourself doing and therefore acted upon it? That specifically, I think that's something I've learned. The physical yeah. affection side of things is certainly something that she's voiced to me. Because I'm so busy-minded that I wouldn't have even noticed, you know, which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. admittedly a character flaw. When when you met Jazz, were your were your ways of, or your love languages as a whole, were they exactly the same they were now? Or, or have they altered over time in the way that you both receive and give love? Uh, they've definitely changed, you know, as is the case in any initial relationship. I think you're... You're always keen to be affectionate and impress the other person and be like super bubbly and friendly and nice all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, admittedly, you know, men, we, we do these things to impress the opposite sex, don't we? Or the same sex, I'm not judging anybody. Um, but 
I always had that work thing, you know. I remember a voice note I got from her, like when we first met, is like, I've never met someone like so relentlessly obsessed with accomplishing shit in my life. And I always think of this because she said it like a really, um, like she loved it. Like she was like, this is really cool. And then pretty quickly turned to something she hated. <laughs> you, um, you, I remember you said at the beginning, uh, you, you, you sent me a message um, the other day and it, it was a really nice message. It was actually about podcasting uh, and things like this. This was um, very much Joe's idea to do all this podcasting stuff um, when talking about myself. That I'd say again was very much like a, a words of affirmation, which I know for me, is how I receive love languages, like someone telling me they love me, someone telling me, you know, I've made their day or whatever it may be. But I know for you that sending a message via WhatsApp, via whatever, um, and the message you sent me the other day, um, a peek behind the curtain for the listeners, again, very just the sort of message that for my personality type, I'd want to receive from a friend, but knowing you, and I know that that's not your love language. So when I got this message, um i pinched myself and I, and I had a bit of a not a cry but i'm quite an emotive person and uh i, I had a bit of an emotional response and i was like man i can't believe joe's said that um to me over this voice message um so i'm gonna ask you a bit of a personal question just for the sake of us both being here what prompted you to send that sort of message to me potentially knowing that words of affirmation isn't your way of sending love Uh, this is just something I've been working on recently. Like, you know, now I've accomplished most of my biggest goals with my career. I am looking at the aspects of my life and trying to find new goals because I I have, I have to progress somehow. Um, Yeah. So I thought, you know, someone I often hear about yourself, I know you don't do emotions. I know you don't do, I know you don't do affection. You know, I don't, I don't want to be seen as somebody that's like cold or, lacks empathy or anything like that because this is not true actually i do like i was cooking my core and i was just thinking about you and that's and you know, <laughs> like, you know when, when you have these when you have these feelings or something like just tell them you know and just yeah you know whereas maybe before i wouldn't you know I just, hey man just reach out to just say i miss you and i love you and yeah and that's it you know, and, and this could be to anyone at any time if something crosses my mind, you know, it, but I never sent that message. I would have had those thoughts. You just wouldn't have known, you know. Yeah. So this is this is something that I'm just working on maybe on my own expression of my own character, you know. But that's one thing I think, and I say this, knowing you, say, in 2020, early 2021, I'd say only, like, knew of you through your personality through podcasting or YouTube video interviews that you've done and things like that. In that time that I've known you and specifically the time we've become friends, I've noticed that you spend a lot more time with people, with friends in general, having friends around. Is that something that you heavily neglected earlier on in your career because you were so career focused and therefore, like you said, because you've got yourself in this position now where your career is at this point that you're really content with is surrounding yourself with people who you love and people that really love and adore you. Is that uh, an important thing for you now? Yeah. So this was actually like a task 
that I, that I set myself as another another one of these tasks was I think it was around about I remember coming into the beginning of where are we now 2023 2022 it must have been the beginning of 2021 I said you know you're looking at the landscape of everything you do in your life so I've, I've achieved a lot of these goals that I've ticked off I want to start doing some like I want to start doing something that makes me feel like I'm doing something good and this was one of the reasons for starting for Z Collective was because anybody listening, I haven't made any money off Physique Collective. In fact, I've spent a load of money on Physique Collective for it to become what it is. And despite the amount of members we have and stuff, you know, we're still pretty heavily down on investments. And I've got no problem with that because that is a passion project for me. And one of the things also was where I want to buy this new house for me and Jazz and I want to build a gym there. Um, and I want to make it somewhere that's like an open house where people feel like they can yeah. come around at any time. And I want to build this really because we didn't me and jazz have had each other like we yeah don't literally don't have any friends i don't have anybody that i feel on a daily basis right well, i want to build a, a friendship group that's full of great people that and you know the kind of friends you know how jordan peterson says when when your friend accomplishes something you're actually happy for them you know i want to yeah because i i was having this i was having this conversation the other day i think it's heavily british cultured that individuals don't like to see individuals do well mm-hmm. um and i think that very much is a british thing i think um americans perhaps do this better than us they actually celebrate people's success pretty grandly um so go on bro carry on with what you were saying no, that's pretty much it i just wanted to to have a group of friends that all supported and loved each other dearly and that we could spend time with and you know we We've got that. If you think of our group of friends, and we generally meet up once a month, and that's, yeah. that's the, this was kind of the the end goal for me. And I'm so happy that we've got that now. And and we, me and Jazz, are both so much more fulfilled that we've got this group of people that genuinely want each other to do well and are happy when they see each other doing well. And you know that that's continually one of my tasks is to like. Help friends in a way that doesn't help myself. Like try to be altruistic in a way. Like, like Brad's a yeah. good example. Like I've, I'm really trying to help Brad. Like getting him on physique clips. So like I'm, I'm, and I don't want this to sound complex. Like I'm paying Jake to film Jack uh, to film Brad, and then I'm trying to pump out Brad's content. And like physique collective is paying Jazz to do the marketing so that his face gets out there more. Like I don't get anything from that. You know, he's not a physique collective coach. He doesn't pay me any yeah. like commission. I just really want to see him do well as a coach because he's a yeah. fucking great coach and he's one of my best friends. So like, if I can help that, if it costs me money, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily need more money and not set up rich or something like that. We, we live extremely frugally, as you know, um, <laughs> you know, that's what I want this group to be about, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think it's interesting you talk about that. And, and I speak specifically about our group of friends. It's pretty interesting because, I mean, when you think about the amount of time that we've probably spent together in person, it's probably 10, 12 times a year, if that. Um, and the same thing goes for everyone in our friendship group. I know I speak from my own point of view specifically because I live a bit further away. But I think the thing that you and Jazz have been able to do um, is bring together these people that were perhaps your friends, but not friends with each other. 
Um, but I now look at someone like, again, like Brad, uh, I messaged him the other day. And I said, bro, I love you because you've been able to bring these different personality types into this friendship group of yours. And it's resulted in some really close friendships coming from it. You know, like Kirkham, I'm going to be doing a podcast with him. Brad, I speak to him on a daily basis. Kerry, speak to her on a daily basis. Jazz, speak to her on a daily basis. And uh, I think it's a real credit to the both of you for being able to do that, man. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a wonderful thing. And I think it's a bunch of people that probably didn't have a big friendship group themselves as well. And what was that? Like yeah. A group of outcast bodybuilder types, you know? It, it, it's easy to get, uh, as you know, consumed in work and I think specifically when you're self-employed so yourself myself uh Jazz Jake Brad <laughs> Kirkham um when you work for yourself and you're working to your own specific targets probably working more hours than someone who is perhaps in a contracted salary paid job you get stuck in this cycle of work eat and as cliche as it sounds train sleep wake up do it all again get to the weekend after a heavy week of work and probably think, you know what? I don't want to go out. I'm pretty socially exhausted. Check-ins, one-to-one sessions, Jake filming people. Um, but like you said, when you're, and, and I said this to Brad not longer, when you're surrounded by people that you really love and care about, it doesn't matter how hard that week leading up to that social situation is. And I, again, speak for myself specifically, when you get to that social situation, that social battery is still able to keep going because that time spent with those individuals is actually really, really, really beneficial to you being able to even approach the next week of work. Um, Would you say that was something you struggled with, like the whole social battery being exhausted till the weekend? Therefore, when you get to the weekend, not really wanting to spend time with people. Yeah, but the the big problem with a bodybuilding coach is you do check-ins Monday to Friday and then you go to shows on Saturday and Sunday. You get in this yeah. thing where you're almost in this constant state of high adrenaline. It's usually yeah. Monday, Monday after a show weekend, I wake up and I'm like, oh, man, I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah. But regardless, the same things have to get done and eventually you get pretty settled into it. Um, but no, you're quite right. Just typically I'll get to the end of the day and be like, oh, my God. Yeah, but it, and it goes back to what you were saying about that day being highly productive and getting to that point of like absolute exhaustion, feeling like you've been productive. And therefore, when you do get to the end of the day, thinking, oh, God, go to sleep, do it all over uh, again. Um, and going back to sort of more of the the, the social situation um, topic that we were just on a minute ago, if you were to point out um, one specific day, evening, week or weekend in the last one to two years where you've gone, you know what, that was probably the best day, the best night, best weekend of my life, best week of my life. Could you pinpoint that specific thing or that specific activity that you you thought that? Uh, yeah, really easily. And I think most people already know my reply here. Um, it's it's show weekends. I live, I live yeah. for show weekends. Like the Kingdom Classic we just did, man, I was driving home just saying to Jazz, I love bodybuilding. I love, yeah. I love bodybuilding. You know, I had Jazz and Corey competing. 
to see my wife compete is crazy. Corey, we've got a very close emotional friendship. We spent a lot of time together. We've traveled across the world together to compete. You know, been in an Airbnb together. I've, I've seen him at his worst. I've seen him at his best. You know, having that kind of relationship with a client, seeing them progress, seeing them compete, seeing them win or seeing them lose. When, you know, I've got so many thoughts. When Leon won his first overall, I cried. You know, yeah. when Jazz won uh, the World Champs purely, I cried. For me, the, these are the most happy, sad, ecstatic, exciting, anxious, you know, the, all all of these things for me. It's just exhilarating, this thing. And I can't believe that's what I do, you know? Mate, crazy. I've, I've actually got two questions coming from, from that specific thing. Uh, one of them being, you've, how long have you coached Jazz now? Um, you know, it's probably only been two, maybe three years. And you coached her then during it, was it her 2021 competitive season? What would be the difference you found coaching her through this season compared to that previous season or the one before that? Um... Honestly, probably not much difference. Like when I started coaching her, for a long period of time, she said, I'm the problem. I can't get coached by you because I'm too emotionally connected to you. Whereas for me, I can be very objective and I can remove it from our relationship entirely. But she's, so we set the ground rules pretty good. Like she was going to check in like any client. She's going to have the day on check-in filled out like any client. And I was going to do the check-in. Like any client, we wasn't going to do this. Oh, can you just get a look at me in person and then not have the photos in the folder? Or, you know, can I just send you my weight on WhatsApp rather than fill the check? Like we said, no, 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 that's happening. What we're going to do is we're going to do the check-in and then we're going to go about our day like a married couple. And it's okay. Yeah. And you know what? She's a fantastic client. She's a hundred percent adherent, a hundred percent effort. And we, we've never had an issue. We've never had an argument about anything to do with coach. I mean, we I can't think of a time about a fucking argument to be honest, but um, yeah, it, it's been smooth sailing, and, and she's done incredible. Like every single show we've done together, she's absolutely smashed. Perfect, perfect. I mean, this show um, and this show season specifically so far, um, I know um, just from the time spent with both of you um, that she would probably admit this is one of her most relaxed competitive seasons mm. in terms um, emotional attachment to the prep itself. Um, again, um, without going into too much context, we, we were at yours one evening and, uh, Jazz, uh, Jazz will say this is, this is something that she remembers so fondly throughout this competitive season. And I turned to her and I said, Jazz, you're competing. You're six weeks out. And she went, oh yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it was that realization for her that this has perhaps been such a effective, productive relaxed in the state of again there's only so much relaxation you can have prepping for a show i'm sure but out of all the shows she's done the most content she's felt going into a show would you agree yeah and i think a lot of that comes down to our environment that we've built here it is like a bodybuilding haven you know she's yeah. got, she's got no stress or concerns like she doesn't have to travel to a place of work she doesn't have to travel to a gym. She doesn't even have to train with anyone. She trains in our gym on her own whenever she wants. She yeah. Who's here? She can get in the sauna and relax. Food's always in the fridge. 
there's just we've got cardio equipment you know this yeah there's never <laughs> you know and it, it's just easy it's idyllic yeah uh, going back to you and uh i want to touch upon this because this is like the side of you that um again i talk for myself that i, I specifically enjoy uh as your friend and you you spoke about your emotional relationship with Corey and how close that is and um, your friendships with Brad, your friendships with myself um, and and everyone else in sort of our our close-knit friendship group. What specifically would you say you look for in a close friend and is it different to what you perhaps looked for in a close friend before in terms of the people you surround yourself with? Let me answer that question when I've been for a pee. I'm just going to pause this. Because I'm back. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm back. Sorry about that. I'm post workout and I've drank a lot of fluid. I'll also say I've got a client call in eleven minutes, so we'll we'll wrap up in eleven minutes, bro. Um, bro, do you know what? I wasn't even keeping an eye on the time. But neither that's was fine. I. I just looked at my phone when I walked in. I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" This is bro, we've been talking for ninety oh, minutes. <laughs> oh god! If you've made it this far, you are a legend. So what, <laughs> what do I look for in a close friend? I don't I don't think I've ever specifically looked for anything. I'm in quite a lucky position where most of the people that I'll talk to will already have the same interests as me. So that's obviously going to give us yeah. a big talking point. But one thing I can think of that's a huge turnoff for me, and I could quite easily have somebody sort of do this once and me not have any issue, not kind of talking to them again, is practicing talking in a negative way about other people is something I really dislike. No matter how evil the person is or, or what they've done, is something that for some reason always really turns me off. Like, for example, uh, look at this dickhead on Instagram. Look what they've said about this. They're a fucking idiot. You know, look, this coach right, yeah. said this. This coach said this. What a retard. Those kind of things for me are instantaneous. Like, like, oh, I, I really don't like that. You don't, you don't know this person and all their intentions. And you know, I just, I don't like anything like that. I quite like things to be friendly and comfortable. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, when, uh, it's um, again, I, and I talk for myself here uh, for you and th- and this is very much compliment for you and I, I want to say this because I think it's important for if this episode is is getting to know Joe Jeffrey of the Physique Collective um I think as a friend um again not something you look for but potentially something you give off is you're very good at giving off this caring nurturing emotion but also making I think a lot of your close friends feel like they have a platform to speak. Um, And I say that with absolute honesty uh, from my own personal opinion. Uh, You make your friends feel important, if that makes sense. Uh, And I say that with all the complimentariness I can. (laughs) Well, thank you, man. That's that's lovely to hear that. that That's that's the way I'd I'd like to come across. I don't want to be dominant or domineering over people or, or that I'm more important than anybody else or that anybody is, you know? Yeah. That's just not the way I think things should be, you know. So that's no, no, no. How no. do you feel that way? It's um, but but again, I think I think that's important to say because a lot of people will see you specifically through a coaching eye. They might not know your personality outside of coaching, um, 
but I know, like you said, you're you're very productive. You're a very emotionally strong um, person when it comes to bodybuilding and the coaching aspect of that. Um, but you have this ability to also switch off, enjoy, make someone feel nurtured, care for someone, make someone feel like they have a platform to to speak as well. Would you say that those personality traits and also, I guess, love language giving have increased in recent time? Or is it just something that's potentially just been unlocked that was already there? Yeah, I I think part of working on my own external translation of my internal feeling about myself and the person that I feel I should be and want to be has been through listening to people that act in that way. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, I'm going to become another cliche here, people like Jordan Peterson. You know, I've read everything he's ever written and I've learned a lot from him. Even somebody like Joe Rogan. I've famously listened to every yeah. single podcast of the Joe Rogan experience, like right from episode one. And I love the way he communicates. I love his conversational abilities. He's, genuine interesting things because you know I, I feel like i'm like that so i gravitate towards that ability to listen actually think about what the person has said not speak over people not be domineering try to understand as many different aspects as possible and come to their own rational decision without a personal feeling something that i hold of great importance um to trying to represent myself in the way that i know that i am is uh, i think taking influence from those individuals has been really helpful there. And that, that has been mostly in the last couple of years. If you were to, uh, and this might be a good way to, to, to end this episode, if you were to recommend a book or a specific Joe Rogan episode or a specific Jordan Peterson episode from a podcasting perspective, would there be one specific episode of that podcast or book that you would recommend to the listener that would potentially aid them in the long run in terms of their ability to build relationships or increase their ability to show love, uh, receive love, um, increase empathy and things like that? Not necessarily along that line, but I'll take you down another line because it's really apt is there is a book that I've listened to or, well, I've, I've read the book, but the audio book, in my opinion, is better that has had the largest influence on my life. And I've okay. I've read slash listened to this book at least fifteen times. I essentially forced Jazz to listen to it by gifting her it on iTunes. Right. Um, I have sent it to friends. I've gifted it to friends in times of need, um, and I've recommended it a million times over. And, and genuinely, every time somebody has told me that it has changed their life, so. And it has for me the way I approach work and the way that I think about things, the way I handle things, the way that I maybe look at things from my past that weren't ideal and have managed to make them into a productive input is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. In my opinion, one of the most yeah. important books ever. Um, and most recently, he has a, a new book um, called Never Finished, which is almost like the addendum to Can't Hurt Me. It's very, very good. I would recommend everybody listen to Can't Hurt Me and listen carefully and then listen to it again. The value in that book is obscene. 
I think I think that's a a good way to potentially finish this this episode because I know uh, and for anyone who who is interested in David Goggins, he he did an episode on a podcast that I listened to and I'm actually quite heavily influenced by um and it's modern wisdom um I actually forget the guy who I think it's um Chris or something like that uh Chris Williams um and I heavily recommend his interview on the modern wisdom podcast with David Goggins because it is absolutely incredible the the way the guy speaks that the trauma he's been through um the way he conducts himself the way he has this detachment from social media and his own phone um I think there's a lot to potentially learn from that guy um and to completely end this bro what would be that one specific thing you you've learned from someone like a David Goggins or Jordan Peterson or, or or a specific Joe Rogan episode what one thing could you pinpoint and be like okay I do that better now because of that finding pleasure in relentlessly doing things that require the best of your efforts perfect there we right. go Joppo, that was a uh... Mildly, I want to thank you so much for your time, mate. Uh, 90 minutes of Joppo's very precious time, and he's not even getting paid for this. There's no consultation fee. Can you believe it? <laughs> honestly, thank you. It's been all a, done it's, with love. You know, I've done hundreds of podcasts in my life, and none of, and they've all been on a topic, you know. Um, so yeah. I've never done anything like this. I very much enjoyed it. I hope that we can do it again. If anybody wants to hear more personal deep dives, please, please let us know. And you will hear another episode of this with um, one of the Physique Collective directors coming up to you guys very soon. Boom, bro! I want to I want to say thank you for uh, for having me, mate. Because again, we uh, without a conversation we had the other day, and like we spoke about, a lovely message you sent me, uh, we wouldn't be here on this uh, cold and windy Tuesday afternoon. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on, bro, because it, it's certainly a, um, a little bit surreal, but also very cool to, to be on a physique collective podcast, number one. Um, but mate, to, to, to spend this time with you in a, a different setting that we usually would, a little bit more formal, uh, a little bit of a deep dive publicly as well. So, uh, yeah, bro, big love and, and thank you, man. Awesome. Thank you. Love you, bro. Thank you.